Hello, butt-hungry friends. Welcome to the Plug Podcast by B-Vibe. I'm your host, Luna Matadas. I'm a sex and pleasure educator, bringing you shame-free pleasure and all the answers to your anal questions. In this episode, we are getting into naked nutrition. The Plug Podcast is made possible by B-Vibe. B-Vibe is an award-winning sex toy company who is paving the way for you to have hot anal pleasure, whether that's solo or partnered. B-Vibe is innovating sex toys to build more inclusive, satisfying, and high-quality pleasure for your booty. Now, if you got naked and got some food to listen to this episode, you're living your best life right now. I was really eager to talk with our guest, Daniel O'Shaughnessy, the naked nutritionist. There are so many nutrition myths out there about what to eat to taste better for sex or having a completely empty stomach before you receive anal sex. So I wanted to ask an expert. Daniel is an award-winning nutritionist with over 10 years of clinical experience. He is a registered nutritionist, registered nutritional therapy practitioner, certified functional medicine practitioner and a nutrogenomic specialist. Daniel is also the host of the Naked Nutrition podcast, which focuses on LGBTQ plus health. So are you hungry for this nutrition and sex episode? Let's jump right in. Okay, so we're getting started here. Oh my gosh, Daniel, I, I've been looking forward to chatting with you for, actually since I discovered you, since I was like, oh, who is this person? And your brand, The Naked Nutritionist, is so cute, so brilliant, and, and so it, it's so much broader than I imagined. So I would, I would love to hear, you know, I know that uh, you talk about kind of getting into nutrition from a, a personal health journey. And so I'd love to hear how that kind of gave birth to The Naked Nutritionist. Sure. I mean, like, well, the funny thing is, is that not everyone gets the naked nutritionist. So people actually either think, they either get, think I'm actually going to be naked and, and be really, they get offended almost, or uh, I've had people before thinking I was a directory for information such as naked campsites and things like that. And nudist, nudist <laughs> areas. I was like, you haven't put the two together anyway. So I've always kind of been interested in nutrition. My back, I did a really boring, I'm not shaming it for anyone else, but I found it, it was just like, I finished university school. I went into criminology and law. It, for me, I was just that it just didn't scratch the itch. And I actually pushed, it went, the only avenue I had with it was to go into drug addiction, which I really found fascinating. And I worked in the criminal justice system with drug addiction. I mean, you just see the power of nutrition there. I was quite interested in how nutrition affected the body and I was working out at the time and a young gay man, of course, you see, you know, at the time it was all sex cells on the news and these magazines and you just think that's what you've got to do. Uh, so, but then I started seeing, first of all, my health and looking at, you know, how nutrition could impact what I was doing. And I had some digestive complaints and skin complaints. And of course, what you do when you think, you know, you start googling and working out what's best for you what's what works but that started i was getting really tired of the drug addiction field and realizing it was just it's either stay in that role for the rest of my life or branch out so that took me took me into studying nutrition for another four years so i jumped eventually jumped ship and in nutrition it's quite in the uk it's quite a first it's quite a political industry but also there's not many jobs available in the industry so and you have to be quite a self-starter so that you there's no it's not so smooth sailing at the beginning so that's why i started the company and 
um, I've worked across all areas of it. And the, the interest really got me was the LGBTQ plus market because no one's really covering it. And it took probably eight years in to realize, and it was the, the idea was really in my face. And the way I work with nutrition, it's not just about weight loss or muscle gain for the gym. It's working on a holistic, looking at the body as a over, uh, whole body and work out what imbalances are going on and looking at the root cause of what someone may come to see you for. So if someone has a digestive issue, what is actually the cause of it rather than, you know, give you some, give you a probiotic to help your bloating or something like that. So, um, and when you do a bit of investigation, you can really work out the root cause of what's going on. And I used to see many LGBTQ plus clients and I didn't, wasn't really thinking that this was an area that I could consider. And what people were coming to see me for was I wasn't necessarily a topic related in that area, but they would drop in certain things like, look, I really need to sort my digestion out because I'm having anal sex and it's impacting me. But I then felt they couldn't really talk to anyone else about that because, you know, they, a heterosexual doctor might not understand or even trans clients going through, you know, transitioning or thinking about that or HIV, people with HIV, um, uh, how to actually support that. So, but then I started mulling on this idea and I actually ended up going on this, um, I don't know if you've heard of it, the Atlantis Gay Cruise. Oh, I've heard of it. Yes, yes. So I was a bit obviously petrified of it, thinking this is going to be a bit of a, you know, walking petri dish and I was like, you know, what's going to be going on here? Um, and in actual fact, it was one of the best weeks of my life. And I was surrounded by 5,000 mostly gay men. There were a few other, um, uh, other busy acronyms on the, on the cruise. And people kept coming up to me and when they, obviously the introductions, what, what, what do you do? And I said, I'm a nutritionist. And then they say, what can I do to recover from this weekend, this week? And I'm like, well... I always used to say the same thing, pace yourself, drink lots of water, make sure you sleep. And then I suddenly had that light bulb moment, right? There's a, clearly a gap in the market for people who need this advice. And whether it's something, uh, you know, as, you know, recovering from partying or a resource to be able to look at, you know, if they want to help support um, same-sex fertility, transgender nutrition, HIV nutrition, mm-hmm. or uh, even sex, because... Sex is also a topic, and you're very well aware, aware of this. That people want to know, but they're afraid to know, and and uh, you know, and it's there's still a lot of sex shame around openly asking for certain information. So, you know, so I then put together a book, and it was quite interesting that I got turned down by quite a few publishers. Either the mm. it wasn't, you know, either I was wondering whether the topic would be censored, or that. It just people just weren't ready for it. So I took to a crowdfunding campaign and they did it. I did the Unbound, who are my publishers. They actually, you know, they let you write what I want. And so it was, it was obviously they go through it and edit it, but I'm quite happy with the way it's come out now because I've been brutally honest and very, I think the information in it is very fair and it's going to give people the, um, it's going to be a, a give back for me to the community in that, you know, Oh my gosh. And when are we getting, when are we getting this gift, gift to the world? I know you've got different UK and different North American times. When are we going to see it? So the book's released in the UK on January the 20th and it's all about be available in bookstores. Um, and in spring is the North America, US and Canada date. 
So, and I'm really happy because every person that's read the book has said, there's never been a book like this. I'm so excited for it. So I'm really happy that um, it's going to be, and even if someone, I always say to someone, read the book, read the whole book, because at least you're aware of some, what someone else is going to be going through. And if you want to make more, be more inclusive in the, in, in the field, I keep saying industry, I mean community. <laughs> but <laughs> it could be an industry. Um, sure. But I, I think, you know, just be aware of what others go through and just to, um, you know, it, it's, it's, it hopefully is a good, be a good resource. So. Yeah. Cause I, I think that's great that it's, it's a resource also for, yeah, for other nutritionists because it, was there anything in your training that, that had this um, emphasis on either LGBT health or, or did it emphasize kind of how your, your gut health or your nutrition interacts with other parts of, of the way that you, you move in this world. So your, your social communities or your cultural kind of connections. Nothing. There was nothing in, I had to apply being a gay man to what nutrition was. And even my colleagues who were either gay, lesbian, uh, there weren't any, I don't, as far as I'm aware, there's not any transgender nutritionists that I'm aware of in the UK. Um, so really we used to have that private laugh in the giggle in the back of the class almost saying well that's not going to be relevant if you want to go bottoming is it you know or um it was interesting as well with things like transgender health is that it was very binary the the nutrition education and looking at blood results for male female and never considering the you know someone who is transgender male or transgender female and only now since i've started providing this i've done webinars now for nutritionists I, people are asking me, I've got a transgender client, how can I, how can I support them? Uh, but it's, people are just have no clue. I remember going to a doctor a, um, and he said to me, do you take any medication? And I said, yes, I take PrEP. And suddenly he was started getting all frust, flustered thinking I had, you know, he's like, oh, so how long have you had HIV for? And so it's a complete, like, I was like, you know, you just like, Ugh. but it's, uh, it's, it's, I, I think you know, it'd be good for you know, people to, I think the one slight area that people are more aware of though, is the mental health side. So people are aware that, you know, there is a quite a degree, extra degree of um, mental health concerns in the LGBTQ plus community. And that is being um, spoken about. So I guess there is movement, but there is still work to be done. Yeah, I I was listening to, you know, we haven't even mentioned you know, all this amazing work that you're doing, but you also have a fabulous podcast called The the Naked Nutrition and um, the LGBT plus health, LGBTQ plus health podcast. And I was listening to the episode um, that you did that was specifically focused on, on LGBTQ plus health and the connections between mental health and gut health and how a lot of times we're, we're not getting really into the nuances of, of how the queer community is is actually being affected by uh, both their gut health and their mental health. Can you tell us a bit about that? And we'll, we'll definitely drop the episode link because I thought it was so fascinating. Your guest was great and, and you were great in bringing in um, your perspectives. So how, how do they interact? Like, what are the what are the highlights of that? So, you know, it's not as much as we like to be could say that we are living in the 21st century with, you know, we're very open now than more than we have been, you know, as much as we want to LGBTQ plus people grow up with shame. We think we're different. You know, we, we're slightly different at school. 
you know, it's there's some sort of mental health concerns that probably stem from our childhood of feeling different. And so, and then on top of that, you get, you know, know, the family element, there's acceptance, there's uh, acceptance within the community, uh, shame, fitting in, sex, uh, like there's so much with mental health. But what I do in the book is talk about, right, so these things are there. The triggers of mental health are all going to be there. You, you can't help that. You're going to have to accept that. Yes, let's talk about it. And I do talk about it in the book. But what can you do to support your mental health as well as getting psychological support? Because I think in the community, we're bombarded with you know, uh, mental health support from a psychological point of view. There are great books on this. There's, you know, The Velvet Rage is a great read for every gay man. Um, but maybe there's not enough for lesbians, transgender people. Um, there's not huge resources. And it's also non-binary, asexual, intersex. But what I talk about is about what you can do with the body and say, look, you know, you're in this situation. You've not had the best upbringing. You've got shame, trauma, you know. And what happens with LGBTQ plus people, we've, there's actually studies to show that they have higher levels of the stress hormone cortisol than heterosexual people. Mm. So, and what that can be is like, um, the amount of trauma that someone's been through, your body then creates a new re- a set point of what is like a normal level of st- functioning. So in summary, what we're doing is we're walking around with higher levels of stress hormones than a heterosexual person. What that comes from are the factors that I mentioned before. So. I talk about what you can do to support your mental health. And sometimes there's a genetic factors with mental health. Mental health can also be addressed by diet. So if you try to do your best to support your health and well-being, then you're going to have, you know, you can't, you know, um, deal with you know, what happened in the past, but you can support the happening now. I'd just like to also talk about, it's, um, you know, I don't know if you talked this all the show recently called Nine, Nine Perfect Strangers. No, no, I haven't. It's on my list. It's great. Okay, so in there, and it's a top a thing they talk about, it's something called kintsugi. It's a Japanese term. Have you heard of that? No. So what it is, is when a pot breaks, normally we throw it away. What the Japanese do is they glue it back together with gold. And what huh. it represents is that, look, you are the broken pot, but now you're, now you're healed and you're sealed together with gold now. You are that person, you are your trauma, and you have healed, and this is, you wouldn't be the person you are without what you have gone through. And that really touches me in thinking, look, you know, I wouldn't be who I am without I've been, what, without what I have been through. And I wouldn't necessarily choose, I'd probably be a narcissist if I didn't go through any trauma. <laughs> I don't, oh, yeah. Yeah. you know, I, I would probably, yeah. you know, be completely ignorant. I'm glad I've been through what I have to understand how to help others. So I like that concept of Kintsugi. So if anyone's struggling with, you know, why me? Why do I have to go through this? You know, think about you are you, you wouldn't be who you are without your trauma. So that's quite a um, better thing for me. I love this this gold kind of weaving back into itself. It it still it feels very much uh, like the, the the holistic approach you're taking to nutrition and your work like it's really saying well here are the parts that we're working with and you know how can we improve from here while also accepting that this is where you're at this is this is where you've got to and it's such a a joy to hear you speak about 
nutrition in a way that isn't just focused on on weight loss. And I think it was only until I started seeing holistic uh, practitioners did I unhitch myself from from that kind of constant just calories in, calories out. Like that was the mm. only nutritional information that I ever received. And then working with holistic um, nutritionists was my opportunity to see food as medicine. Yep. And I was like, oh my gosh, like it's it's rewriting my relationship to food, but I still have so much internalized fat phobia because we live in a fat phobic society. And I have a lot of internalized misogyny that's connected to that fat phobia as well. And what my expectations are supposed to be like as a feminine person or a queer person. Uh, so how do you see how do you see that kind of showing up in in our in our queer communities around food? I know there's been lots of studies on gay men and their body image and a lot of the the kinds of practices that are actually harmful. But but we're we're trying to maintain a certain image with our, our bodies to be attractive or to fit into a conventional standard of attractiveness. Well, I think you touched on a good point because there's areas of it that particularly this is gay men, I think transgender persons and lesbian and other um, people in the community are more are, are beginning to be a, a, a lot are more comfortable either talking about their bodies or understanding their bodies than gay men gay men for gay men there's two areas of it there's the bear community and then there also is the you know this let's call them the circuit muscle community muscle gay community and you know it I think this stems from the desire that we all need to look, you know, have perfect chiseled uh, pecs and abs. And what it does, it fuels either body dysmorphia. Uh, it can also lead to mm. things like anabolic steroid use. Um, it's ultimately the message that you're not good enough. And in order to succeed in this community, in order to be able to have sex with who you want to have sex with, in order to feel comfortable having sex, very rare you'll meet someone who isn't insecure around in, 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 in the bedroom. And whether that's, you know, how they top, how they bottom, the size of their penis, the size, you know, how they, how they uh, kiss, whatever it is, the people, sex is a very intimate thing. And you know, we've been told, the, especially gay sex, it's, a, it's in the, you know, the eyes of, you know, how we've been taught, it's a wrong and immoral thing we should be doing. So we think we're doing something risky when we're doing it and that, that's got to be untaught and you know it's a very sex whatever on the spectrum is beautiful and a natural thing, process to happen and you know you can it's it's but you have to also I think what the drive to getting the perfect body there's no end in that journey I've met people who who will you only just if you go on that journey of looking for the perfect body you'll always be trapped in that journey. And I can guarantee you, those that you may look at and think that guy has the perfect body, they could be the most unhappy person. And oh, yeah. I have friends that I've seen and I've spoken to, and even one I remember saying, I said, you look great, what's going on? He goes, oh, my legs, don't look at me, my legs, my legs are bad. I'm like, wow, you know, and I've had body dysmorphia myself. My mother was a Weight Watcher leader and I was okay. addicted to diets as I grew up. I was at school, I was fat, gay and ginger, you know, so it was, oh, you know, no. I, was I was in the UK, it was a big no, three no-nos, you know, and so <laughs> I, you know, even now I catch myself looking at, you know, I haven't been to the gym in a few days, I thought, you know, you start to have those toxic thoughts that might come in, but then you have to start soothing yourself. Uh, but, 
you know, these practices can come in, turn into like things like anabolic steroids. And then when you start doing anabolic steroids, yes, there's a lot of side effects to them, but you'll never get out because it's like a yo-yo. You're constantly, if you stop them, they'll, you'll come back down if you start them, but they're not a quick fix. You still need to have train hard and you still need to eat well. I do talk about this in the book. There's no point doing anabolic steroids unless you have a set point on your good nutrition and your training well. Um, the other side of it I talked about was the bear community. And I talk about this in the, in the book, like, wait, fair enough, you want to be a bear. There's, you know, it's perfect. But I also say, well, you know, there's the desire to want to be a bear. Why are you really wanting to be a bear? Is it because, you know, fair enough, if you think, you know, I want to be a bear because that's what I want to be and what, I, what I'm attracted to. But is there an element of you to think, well, I can't be the muscle gay, so I'm going to be the going to the bear community. And I don't, there's no right or wrong in that. And I just think, you know, I ask the reader to just go, look, think about what you're doing. But even in the bear community, ultimately, it's not also about body image. It's about health. So if you're eating, you know, you can still look whichever way you want to look, but the food you eat is going to impact your health in terms of disease. So if you're eating, you know, you need to consider if you want to be part of the bear community, are you going, are there any health risks attached to that, such as type 2 diabetes, um, liver concern, whatever health, you know, is, is um, maybe linked to that. So... I think weight overall is a very contentious issue in the community. I think it's we're hypnotized by the media and we always have been. It's with you know sex being sex cells and the body image of the you know it's actually quite refreshing to start seeing some of these big fashion labels start to have some plus size models. That is mm-hmm. it's nice to see, but it feels a little bit to me, I don't know about what your thoughts on this. A little bit like, oh, let's sprinkle a little bit of, you know, equality in there because we feel we have to, not because, you know, we want to. And it's like when suddenly lots of workplaces started doing um, equality, you know, Black Lives Matter training when, you know, straight after, not like let's actually realise what we need to do and think about how we can embed this in our culture. Just, you know, I, I, I don't see it. I want to see something being authentic. And yes. And that's what I'm not doing. So, yes, that's a really good analogy of like the workplace diversity. I remember um, starting a, a positive space committee years ago at a workplace that I was at. And after, you know, like 10 committee meetings, all we ended up with was a poster that had a flag <laughs> on it. <laughs> and, and that was on the kitchen fridge. And I was like, wow, this is, this is not what our, our change making looks like. And you make such a, a, a wonderful, and I'm, I'm so glad you said it, that so many people have these issues. We all think that, that we're the only one who feels shy about our bodies and someone's going to you know hate us because we look like this. They're not going to desire us or love us or be attracted to us. And I teach um, a sexual confidence class and Everybody has the same issues. Everybody has. And now some of us, granted, we go into the world and those issues are are validated by by our society. So whether the society is homophobic, whether the society is transphobic or fatphobic, you know, there there's there's a, a different level of systemic stuff happening. But everyone on a, a human level is is worried about what they smell like, what they taste like, mm-hmm. you know, where they're jiggling, where they're not toned. Are they big enough? Are they wet enough? Are they, you know, all these kinds of things. And and so I, I think the 
what you're adding to this this beautiful discussion around nutrition and sex is also for an opportunity for people to to bust some myths, you know, to also realize that bodies are disgusting and beautiful at the same time. And, you know, how do we how can we kind of move through this more confidently? So I, I'd love to ask you if you're if you're up for it. I've got some myths or facts. I don't know. Okay. Uh, and so I'd love to, to kind of rub them by you, because especially in this age of, um, you know, I'm addicted to TikTok like everybody. And, and so there's always something new coming up about eat this fruit so your jizz tastes like this or have watermelon so your butthole tastes like this. And I think people are, are really interested on how they can influence their taste and smell of, of fluids and scents that might come out during sex. Now, is that is that true? Is there is there anything true to it? Do you, does like time factor in or type of fruit? <laughs> Well, I think, you know, it's it's what people consider, like, the, the go-to are um, the two fluids people really talk, talk about in terms of, well, there's three, but people really talk about the how cum tastes or semen tastes, how urine tastes uh, or smells, and also the vagina and how that, you know, the fluids in that taste. It's a bit difficult to, you know, you can't just go, go and drink some, you know, the most common thing is pineapple juice. People think, well, I'm going to drink pineapple juice and I'll have better tasting cum. Yes and no. It's, you know, it depends on how well you metabolize something. It's, um, but it's, it all depends on something called the pH balance. You know, if you think about back to our chemistry class where we have this acid alkaline range. So semen in itself is quite alkaline and the vagina is quite acidic and those like this reason why i i, I guess um in terms of evolution that this you know that is the case is in order for the first for fertilization to happen quite you know healthily um so naturally semen is more bitter tasting um but semen contains protein amino acids and fructose and glucose so these are naturally natural sugars so it is does make sense that the more if you consume sweeter things that then you're going to have more sweet tasting semen uh likewise if you have things like you know a lot of uh like an unhealthy diet or if you have a lot of alcohol cigarettes I think marijuana is one that or even other uh, substances that can impact how you know but either not, not very pleasant taste on on semen so it, it can you know, people think, right, well, if I drink a glass of pineapple juice before someone comes round, is it going to impact? But the actual fluid that makes cum is made several days before. So it's probably not going to make it that sweet straight away. Um, so I, it's very difficult to think about, you know, basically say, go eat pineapple, go eat watermelon. But you know, overall eating healthier in the long term, and that includes eating, um, you know, because I think, you know, if you go around eating pineapple juice all day, pineapple juice is full of sugar and it's not necessarily that healthy. So it's because it doesn't have the fiber in it. But if you have a healthy diet with plenty of fruit and vegetables, then yeah, sure, you probably will have better tasting semen overall. Um, and yes, or probably with the vagina as well. The vagina is a bit difficult because you know, it's about the acid balance and you want to make sure it's kept within a healthy acidic range in order to help prevent things like infections. And um, so it's about supporting the gut, the microbiome of the vagina and supporting um, 
So probiotics, healthy gut, um, fermented foods, kimchi, uh, yogurt, uh, miso, things like that are very good foods for that. Okay, amazing. Thank you for, for busting that myth. Because I think, yeah, lots of people are going out and grabbing pineapple juice right before they have a hookup and hoping that it will do something. And yeah. I was listening to your episode on the podcast with Dr. Goldstein and talking about um, the anal microbiome. So are there is there nutrition connections to, to the anal microbiome too or the rectal microbiome? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I mean, you've got to think of the anus as one long tube going from the mouth to the anus. So whatever happens mm. at any level is going to affect the anus. So yes, I mean, Dr. Goldstein has a probiotic for anal care. Um, I think whatever you do, if there's any pain, if there's any issues with your any sort of anal, in the anal area, uh, for anybody, not just gay men, then you have to think, well, why is that the case? And the typical, if you're, if you're, and the reason what, you know, what that might be is I can't have anal sex because I just cannot get clean or there are problems like um, fishes or, or hemorrhoids or where there's pain. And these are, there can be many issues for this. If you look at it like from a digestive concern point of view and an actual, and I talk about the many aspects of digestive care in the, in the book, you've got to think about, you know, how's my current diet? Am I healthy? Is there plenty of fiber in it? Am I hydrated? Could there be any infections such as, you know, yeast infection, parasites or overgrowth of bacteria that might impact my digestive care? Am I sensitive to any foods, um, particularly gluten, dairy, soy and egg are quite common tonic sensitivities? Uh, am, I, am I consuming fermented foods with my back, back beneficial bacteria um, at good enough levels to be able to support my gut health. So whatever, if your gut health is good, then that will help prevent the, the you know, things like fishes and, and, and IBS. What you want to be able to do is have a perf have a good movement of, uh, you know, every day or at least once or twice a day. And it should, you know, it should be fairly healthy looking when you look at it in the bathroom. And, Thing, uh, so if you need to douche, um, you shouldn't necessarily have to be in there for three hours, you know, get washing your kidneys. Uh, uh, like, to be a, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and it should be able to be like, you know, three or four times quickly done. Uh, but some people can't even have anal sex because they have pain, fissures. And that, I would say, is generally down to fiber intake. Uh, not having enough water in the diet or sensitivities to foods. So I always say, think about um, looking at an elimination diet, remove gluten for two weeks, see what it does, uh, increase your fiber. Psyllium husk is the gay man's best friend. Uh, mm. You know, I think it'd be good for the, also the wider community. I think we, we also like, we're so, we, we so much, we're so focused on thinking anal sex is just the gay men. No, as even said, I had to, when, my, when I wrote it in the book, um, the, one of the editors on one of my books said, well, this is just for gay men. I was like, no, it's not. <laughs> yeah. It's such a, it's such a stigma because even, uh, and which is why I love, I love um, bringing these conversations and having such a diverse range of, of guests that everyone has a butthole. 
Anyone can be, you know, engaging in anal. Anyone can enjoy being in other people's buttholes. And uh, whenever I'm on an app, like a hookup app or something, and if I'm talking to, especially if I'm talking to a cis man, whether he's queer or, or heterosexual, uh, and we talk about anal, something will come up and they'll say, oh yeah, I love to like give it hard and thrust it in. And I'm like, oh my God, me too. I love to give it hard and thrust it in. And they're like, wait, what? <laughs> I know. I, know. And so I love like busting these myths around that. Yeah. And um, I wanted to share with you this story. I'm, I'm a little embarrassed to tell, but I'm going to tell it anyway. So I, I, we're going to call this story bacon pussy. So <laughs> bacon pussy happens. <laughs> One birthday, I took myself out to brunch. I had bacon for brunch and I came home and I was um, going to sit on my partner's face. And so we were 69ing, sat on, sat on their face, came on their face. And then I went back up to kiss them. And I was like, babe, did you have bacon today? And they were like, no, but you were a little salty. And I was like, oh my God, I gave you bacon, pussy. (laughs) (laughs) I hope they weren't vegetarian. No, they weren't. Thank God. They were vegetarian, but not vegetarian. It was great. (laughs) Well, I don't think bacon's the worst taste in the world. It could be like... Yeah, (laughs) I learned. (laughs) I learned by practice. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm glad you cleared it up that that's not a direct, you know, line for for all foods. That's special to bacon, the world of bacon. That's good. So I know my trigger foods. I know my trigger foods for the bedroom bacon and dairy. (laughs) I think people need to work out what are their trigger foods. There'll be some people that react to red meat, but I don't, I find red meat actually slows down the digestion a bit and think, well, actually, I can have sex. Yeah when I have red meat things that like if someone's got a real tricky digestion I say to them to you know the two types of side fiber one of them is probably better to we think about we need to have you know more soluble fiber all the time green vegetables and complex carbohydrates but sometimes if someone's really finding a tough time I say just limit your soluble your your complex carbohydrates and go for more of the white rice to slow it down a little um, before you um, have sex. You don't need to be starving yourself before having sex. And this is what people think. They just need to get by on a diet of ice cubes. If you're that worried, yeah. have some like low protein, you know, low, low carb diet. And but you know, it's more about, for me, eating before sex might make you feel a bit more bloated and thinking I don't want to have sex. Yeah. But it's, it, it's not, you know, if you want to have a hookup in the evening, you're not going to starve yourself all day. So I think it's, you know, we're borderline getting on to like eating disorders. And, you know, yeah. this is a very big topic also in the LGBTQ plus community. So, um, yeah. and yeah. so and it's an accepted eating disorder. Like I'm not going to ha- I'm not going to eat because I'm going to have sex. And people go, okay, you know? Yes. Yes. It's almost, it's become sort of a joke. You know, I, I saw, I saw memes about, oh, well, you can tell who's the bottom at the table at the restaurant by the person who has like the less food. And, yeah. and I've had partners too, that have starved themselves all day. And I was like, how do you have energy? Like, no. how are we going to, how are we going to do anything? Like, you're just going to lie there. So I know, <laughs> I, know friend, I have friends that are, Imodian is their best friend. And I say, well, mm. look, you know, if you're going to do that, I get it if you're going to go off like clubbing all weekend and take, you know, take dick all weekend, fine. But anything you do to disrupt your natural motility is going to not be good for your gut. So, you know, if you're going to do that, be extra kind to your body the next week. Uh, But also with douching, what you do is that mucus layer in your gut is what is very preventative, 
helps prevent STIs. And so when you douche, you douche all that away and you see, so, you know, ultimately you want to have the least possible effort for the maximum result. So this is why it's really important to get diet, life, diet lifestyle. And in particular, stress. Stress is such a big factor for anal sex um, because okay. stress makes us go. And, you know, if you think about when you have in that stressful moment, when an animal is in a stressful moment, it's not sitting there eating or you know, digesting well. It's, you know, letting go of its bowels and moving, running away. So something to think about anyway. Yes, that's such an important point that I think we don't talk about. And I, I get to talk about physical kind of stress in the body or even emotional stress when we're we're approaching anal sex. So you're worried you're going to shit on your partner. You're worried that it's going to hurt. You're worried that you're not going to be able to take it. And even in that moment, that, that acute stress is already affecting the body's ability to relax, to be able to feel comfortable in the moment. So I can't imagine what, what this other kind of contextual stress or, or other stress that people just live with in their lives and on top of it, for for the the queer and trans community, the, this this sort of systemic stress that just always kind of exists in the background for us, and then sometimes more aggressive, sometimes microaggressive. And so, is there is there anything that um, you you kind of want to tell people who have a really high stress lifestyle, or they're finding that they're doing everything that that they can, but you know maybe stress really is the thing that is is disrupting their ability to to feel good about their digestive system or their gut health mm. well i think you know the micro stresses uh you know they're hard to you know get rid of unfortunately you know they're always going to be there whether they are indirectly there or um through to someone's through to someone's ignorance or um or however it is but the things you can control are the stress how you either adapt to stress or what what you allow yourself get involved with or so I with stress it's like one of those things that if you tell a stressful person to calm down they tell you to like you know what are you doing no it's it's ridiculous <laughs> you don't know me yeah yeah no one <laughs> no one comes to me because they're stressed but I always pick out and go well your health issue is because you're stressed and they go oh yeah and you know I would always ask people to take stock of what their life is at the moment are they like most people working at home on zoom nine to five and then going to bed or having this little output, or are they that stress bunny that thrives in stressful environments? They're stressed all day, and then they're going to do like a high intensity boot camp, which makes them even more stressed and drinking 10 coffees a day. So right. whatever you can do to lessen the load, so perhaps think about cutting your caffeine down, have regular food to support your blood sugar, because if your blood sugar is out of balance, your stress hormones will pick it up. How's your unwinding time? Don't go and do high intensity exercise after work, do something that's more slow and controlled. Going for a walk is one of the best things you can do to help manage stress. And it's mm -hmm. such an easy solution. People are like, no, I'm not doing that. I'm like, why would you not going to walk outside? You know, I get, you know, you're in Canada and it can get cold, but, you know, it's, it's the it's natural simple. sunlight. Yeah. You know, even if just walking to get some lunch or something. But stress is, is, is going to kill us. It's, it's, the, it's the thing that we have to really um, take stock and know and know how to deal with it and it's knowing how to support your diet supporting your blood sugar good protein at every meal um and not doing extra things and so consider sleep hygiene as well are you on your phone just before you shut your eyes can you have an hour away from screens before bed go and read a book meditate 
it, these things sound impossible when you actually talk about them. But when you start doing them, it's like learning a language. You hate it, but then eventually you're like, okay, I get it. Part of booty health is making sure that we keep gut stuff going one way by keeping butt stuff in the butt. We want to contain the bacteria of the butt to the butt area. I hope that you're all cleaning your sex toys. It can be tough to sterilize toys effectively, especially toys that can't be boiled like ones that have motors, so anything with a vibrator. B-Vibe developed a UV sterilizer pouch that kills 99.9% .9 of harmful bacteria. So this is making it all so easy for you to keep your toys clean. You pop your toys in the pouch press the button, and the pathogens are destroyed within three minutes. So learn more about the UV sterilizer pouch at bvibe.com and use code LUNA, L-U-N-A, to save 30% off Bvibe branded products. I'm so I'm so glad that you're bringing in kind of all these different ways for for people to to think about their their stress management or their stress reduction, you know, whether it's sleep or um yeah, supplements, things like that. Cuz I I think you're right. I think when we say to people just, you know, go for a walk or try to breathe deeply, it it feels unmanageable. And it feels yeah. like, well, that, you know, 30 minutes that I was scrolling on TikTok doing nothing, you know, that, that was, I could have been, you know, I could have gone for a walk or, or I could have listened to a podcast while I was going for a walk. Or sometimes I just lie on the floor because I'm like, I just need to, to decompress my back or like, I just want to be on the ground. Um, and, and bringing that into a more holistic approach for, for our health overall, I think, I hope mm. listeners feel like they they have one at least one thing they can take away to to improve not only their their health in the bedroom but their health outside the bedroom. Like all of this interacts, right? And this is it. Like LGBTQ plus individuals, we feel that you know we they feel a little bit like we're you know we have always at one point felt we're second class citizens and we're not feeling you know we we we've always felt you know not good enough. So some people feel that they have to outperform. To be able to, um, you know, be seen as an equal, and there's always the, you know, I know someone at the moment they've just gone for a promotion, and their sexuality in this day and age came up as a factor they didn't get the promotion. Cue the lawsuit, but like, you know, yeah. so yeah, this is this is like, you know, are you, you know, are you working driving yourself into the ground here? So it's 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 really important that we, you know, are you feeling guilty when you relax? If so, this is what you need to focus on. And also think about, okay, look, you know, you might want to go on vacation, but are you going on vacation and then ruining yourself at circuit party for two weeks? <laughs> mm. And like, so what is your downtime? And most of yes. us, I know a lot of people that come back from a holiday and I mean, fair enough, they had a good time, but they need another, another vacation to get over it. So, <laughs> yeah, that's so true. Like, what are you doing with your restoration time? Like, is this actually rest and restoration or, you know, there's playfulness and fun, but that, that kind of has to be balanced overall. And, and the fact that sex can, can provide benefits other than orgasm, you know, it can provide relaxation, it can provide playfulness, getting to know yourself. And um, you touched on so many important topics around reducing that, that stress, even in the approach to, to sex, that you don't have to starve yourself for sex that you don't have to worry, you know, maybe, maybe you do taste like bacon today. I don't know. My partner didn't leave me. You know, that wasn't like, it wasn't like a it. deal breaker. I think the key, <laughs> the key for LGBTQ plus individuals is learning. It's so cliche saying this, but learning to love yourself and not just say it. You've really got mm. to implement it and think, what can I do? What, what can I do one thing today that will help me love myself a bit more? And eventually you'll start thinking, 
wow, I do love myself. But then you'll be more confident in the bedroom. You'll think, oh, actually, you know, there's another guy like this and he's like me and he's not being rejected. Or I think we go through life thinking we're going to be rejected all the time. I yes. certainly have done that before. And so you put up these walls and defense and you think, yes. at the end of the day, put your mind in sex. Are you judging that other person when you're having sex? No, you're not. You're more worried yes. about how he's judging yes. you. And perhaps he's doing the same thing. So yes, I think um, porn has a lot. To, my therapist says the best of the line. He says, Disney and porn have a lot to answer for in terms of uh, particularly gay relationships because of the happy ever after perfect man and the fact in order uh-huh. to fuck, you've got to have XXL, Dom Top 69, whatever it is. You know, on the end, yeah. you know. And I think it's yeah. like, you know, you can't, even in the community we get, you know, versatile shaming or versatile, if someone wants to have yep. be versatile bottom on a hookup app, they're shamed for it. Oh, he's a bottom. Like, but then you think, well, where do I fit in? What if I don't want to be a pure bottom? What if I want to, like, fuck occasionally? Like, or if I, what if you don't have a big dick and you want a top? Like, you know, sure. it's, it's, so what? You know, it's, um, and I think it's just unpack, unpicking that and being more comfortable with actually, and first of all, being honest with yourself. What do you really like? So it's, um, it's, it's a lot to, you know, being really honest with yourself. And there's no, you know, I know you do a lot of work on sex positivity and what and shame around that. And I think that's amazing because mm-hmm. that's where we have to go. I think um, it's, you know, if you want to go to a sex club every week and get banged, great. Well done. You know, it's, it's great. You know, you know <laughs> it's good for you. And that's how I, you know, it's, it's, it's having that healthy um, attitude towards it. So, yeah, that was so beautiful to hear, you know, you call for like more empathy in, in our erotic situations and really like recognizing like, yeah, I'm not making fun of this person. I'm not judging this person. And, and also anything, you know, I often feel uncomfortable hooking up with people who are um, really self-deprecating about their own bodies and um, also prioritizing the body as the most important thing in, in sex. And really there's so much more. There's the experience, there's the connection, there's the playfulness, the intimacy. And uh, it's, it's great to, to bring that into my erotic experiences. I kind of come in being like, how can I make you feel so accepted that you feel so relaxed and safe to go Mm -hmm. into whatever pleasure you want to tonight, whether that's squirting, whether that's erections, whether that's whatever, you know, like how can I make you feel super comfortable? Cause that also makes me feel much more comfortable if I fart or I sweat or I fall off the bed or I taste like bacon, you know, then it it leaves that room for, for that self-compassion in in our sexual experiences. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for, for really championing that. And when people get to that point, they get nervous that, Oh, I shouldn't be feeling this. Allow it. Relax. It's a new feeling. It's going to be nerve nervous, yeah. but you know, just, just be curious about what is setting off inside of you and, um, you know, go from there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Daniel. That's so awesome to, to put that message out there. And you can see it's so obvious in all your work that, that it's, that's your, you know, your kind of foundational thread, like no shame, you know, let's meet you where you're at. Let's work with like what's best for you, what your goals are. How can we make you happier in, exactly. in your body and your life? If you're not there yet, just go to the level you're comfortable with. You know, you and yes. I are talking because we've worked on ourselves. You know, yes. some people may yes. be like, oh my God, I'm in such a fear of, you know, I really want to, you know, it's just unpick it slowly and just go through there. 
Yes, yes. That's a really good reminder. I, I This was like me six years ago, <laughs> you know, is not, is not me today. And, you know, or even me on Saturday versus me today is not you know, <laughs> the same person. So um, I usually have therapies on Monday. So that's good. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm always different after therapy. <laughs> but I wanted to, I, I asked all of our guests about um, a, a funny kind of embarrassing moment. And I, I, I actually like that this is transitioning out of our talk around kind of confidence and empathy. Um, do you have a booty blooper you would like to share with us, Daniel? Something that's uh, a silly or embarrassing moment? I do. And it, it probably was, I, I don't think I've voiced this publicly. So you're going to be the first one to hear it. So I remember <laughs> once I was dating this, like had a few dates with this guy. The first time I met him in a dark room in a club in London, it was quite interesting. The second time I met him, I went, oh, hey, how are you? And he looked at me like, who the fuck are you? Like, and I go, we met before. He goes, I don't remember. And I was like, oh, uh, anyway, we got on. We, he lives in a different country. We agreed to go to Hawaii together. We get, I land in Honolulu after a long flight. He sends me, a, gives me a present of two portable douches. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? Am I not clean for this guy? Am I, do, do I have to go and use them now? I, I was like, I was, then it just started crippling me in sex because I was thinking about all the other, we had sex about 20 times before and I was thinking, was I not clean? Did he smell something? Was it? Was it was it not enjoyable for him, or was he just like I got off a long flight and he was like you need to have these, you know? And all my insecurities came up. I was thinking, you know, I've then got to be clean for this guy or for the whole week I'm here. Panicking. Back in the day when I wasn't, in, I really wanted to enjoy the great food in Hawaii. No, it was. Uh, <laughs> I was panicking, worrying about it. So that's my booty blooper. And if he listens to this, he'll laugh. No, we're, we're, we're very good picture, friends. <laughs> I can picture your face as, you know, kind of like this person holding the, like, like you're just like, oh. CVS bag. Was, but was, while all this, like, tornado of thoughts is going through your head of, you know, wasn't I clean? Or, like, what, was there shit yeah. on his dick? Like, what happened? You know. I know. And, yeah, maybe it was a thought. Did you ever find out if it was just a, a thoughtful thing or... No, I didn't ask him, but we're good friends, actually. So I should actually go to him. By the way, he'll probably be like, yeah. Well, he probably doesn't even remember. He didn't remember me the first time. <laughs> <laughs> he probably doesn't even remember Hawaii. Yeah, he's like, who are you? <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm like, what? When? No, we're good friends. I know. <laughs> yeah, so. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> That's a good one. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> yeah. So that was my, uh, I mean, there have been a few more, but this is the, you know. I think every person, whether you're LGBTQ or plus, goes through some sort of embarrassment in sex. Get over yes. it, enjoy it, let go of it, whatever. So Yes, yes, yes. Good, good message to, to leave us with that uh, just get over it. You know, this is it's it's not as life crushing as we've been told that it is or that we we think it is because we're basing our experiences in comparison to performers you know like that's we don't see the editing we don't see all this kind of stuff if someone judges you or shames you they're an asshole full stop you know yes. and yes. that's their yes. karma to deal with and like you said the performers i know people that use for these only fans they're using fake cum they use you know all different apparatus to be able to mimic us you know, a normal, natural thing, you know? Yes. And always think yes. also, if someone 
made like had a an accident on you how would you react you yeah. know and, and think, yeah. or if someone farted or if someone had to do whatever it was I wouldn't I would it's happened to me many times go over oh, yeah. you, you know if you're gonna fuck the booty hole you're gonna have a risk <laughs> Yes, yes. My favorite thing as a if I'm giving anal, I always say to my bottom, I'm like, hey, you know what? You don't worry about any mess. I will let you know if you need to go freshen up and then we can continue. And I just want them to relax and know I don't care about the shit because you you make such a good exactly. point. I, I'm much more concerned about my shit on someone else than I am about someone else's shit on me. And yet it's all shit. It's all Let's just go shower. Done. Yes. Yeah. Uh... yeah. So, but I, I get it. It's, it's still that, it's that scar that we have to, um, we, we get to scratch every time that we go through that. So. You were such a gift. I wish I had like three hours with you because I, I have <laughs> still have like a sticky note full of like questions, but you know, we're limited to an hour and okay. I, I want people to know where to find you and what they can do or what they can get from you. Are your nutrition counseling services available virtually or online or? Yes. So my, my website is thenakednutritionist.co.uk. Uh, my Instagram's at thenakednutritionist. So you can reach me there. Uh, I do offer nutrition well, I have clients worldwide uh, and it's all done online, um, which was as a result of the pandemic. So, which has helped me a lot in that way. So I looked at it as an opportunity, uh, but yeah, all my information about the books and my links are on there. I've got a podcast, which I, when I get a guest, I then get a chance to update it. So it's uh, but good resources. And of course the book is out in January. So the book's called Naked Nutrition Amazing. and it'd be on Amazon support your local bookstore or whatever so yes okay okay we're all gonna eagerly wait for that and i will put everything uh where you can find daniel in the show notes and i highly recommend the podcast i i think i've listened to about six episodes so far and i have a whole bunch more like bookmark and those were just the ones i was like okay i have to listen to this before <laughs> we chat but now i'm like oh my gosh there's there's just it's such a wealth you've got such a, a wide breadth of guests on there and and your conversations are so engaging and so relevant for like everyday kind of life do stuff mm -hmm. so i i highly recommend people go listen to it right. uh daniel thank you so much for for being here with us and being no, our thank guest you for having blog. me I, Oh, you really added so much to the conversation and lots of questions that we got you answered today and, and with such professionalism and wisdom and, and also such kindness. Yeah, thank you for thank doing you. the work that you do. Oh, it's great. Thank you for doing this. It's really, really nice. I've got my little puppy up already now. Oh, <laughs> uh, is she up and awake? <laughs> yeah, she, when, I, when I say the word thank you, goodbye, she wakes up. I am really glad we had a nutritionist official say on whether or not we should all aim for pineapple tasting cum. I'm taking away some awesome validation for how integrated our sexual health is into our overall health. And I hope we see more and more provider education and more inclusive sex education in schools that help us stop this buildup of shame and give us a more holistic approach to understanding our physical, mental, emotional, and, and the ways that our health interacts with our socio-cultural environments as well. 
If you are looking to find more from Daniel and keep an eye out for his book that's coming out, please check out the show notes and you can find all of his details there, where to follow and connect with him. And we'd love to know what you learned in this episode. So let us know over on Instagram at the plug by B Vibe, where you can send us a DM or you can leave us an anonymous voice message at speakpipe.com slash the plug podcast. We love hearing your voice messages and they may even be included in upcoming episodes. So reach out anytime with your booty questions, booty stories, and like or subscribe to us wherever you are listening so you don't miss out on new episodes of the plug podcast. So until next time, stay bootyful. Bye.